Welcome into this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside Sun Devil Source publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, ASU spring football is now less than two weeks away. Todd Graham and the Sun Devils getting set for the 2017 season, and this spring is full of intrigue. On this week's episode of the show, we'll be giving you our offensive primer for spring practices, looking at the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive line as the Sun Devils head into their sixth season under Graham's watch. And Chris, another year, another quarterback competition, and this one figures to be just as fascinating as the one that took place in 2016. Obviously, Manny Wilkins winning that battle, beating out Brady White and Bryce Perkins. Perkins didn't have a full chance to go through all of fall practices because of that injury, but he's back and healthy, ready to go. Brady White won't be back this spring because he's hurt, but he hopes to be back in time for fall practices. So that leaves Manny Wilkins, Dylan Sterling Cole, Bryce Perkins, and new transfer Blake Barnett to duke it out this spring. Can I ask you a trivia question just to get this thing going? <laughs> what was the last uh, really good Pac-12 team that didn't have strong play at quarterback? Can't name one. Yeah, because it probably doesn't happen, no. right? Um, quarterback competitions are not necessarily a good thing because it, it generally means that you don't have one guy who is established and ready to lead a team. Um ASU, of course, has some some options who were highly regarded, but recruiting and evaluating quarterbacks is um, a difficult proposition. You have a lot of guys who don't work out, even among top 10 guys. You see that not only transitioning from high school to college, you see that in the NFL draft. Um, we've talked about some of those guys uh, in the past who were really highly regarded and, and, and ended up really not, not working out and ending up transferring. You have Gunnar Keel was a consensus number one quarterback um, who went to Notre Dame, ended up transferring to Cincinnati by the time he was a fifth-year senior. He was battling two other guys for a starting nod. Yeah, Mitch Mustaine is a guy who bounced around after being very highly regarded. Um, Ricky Town was a number one quarterback who went to USC, ended up getting beaten out uh, last year. Uh, and so um, this is not uncommon. And so some people are saying, well, Blake Barnett, former five-star guy, transferred from Alabama. He started there uh, as a redshirt freshman against USC in his first game. He didn't go. He didn't come to ASU to hold a clipboard, but it, it's not some automatic thing that you just plug a guy in. And we talked with Manny Wilkins um, at ASU's recent mini media day uh, in which all, all five quarterbacks were present who are returning. And Wilkins said to us, look, I feel like I'm the leader of this team. That's kind of the role that I've had. That's the way that I still will be kind of moving forward, right? And 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 so this is setting up to be a legitimate battle between um, Manny Wilkins and Blake Barnett, but I wouldn't count out Dylan Sterling Cole, a guy who started last year as a true freshman on the road at Oregon and certainly has a lot of promise. And then, of course, you have Bryce Perkins, who's coming back from a serious neck injury that uh, kept him off the field um, for quite a bit of time. And as you said, there you have Brady White, uh, who's not going to be able to uh, to play uh, because um, of the serious uh, broken foot injury that he suffered last year. But White's ahead of schedule and told us that uh, he'll probably be cleared late spring early summer and be a full participant by the time they they have fall camp. Yeah, the Sun Devils don't 
lack for talent on this roster at the quarterback position. I mean, when you look at these five players who ASU brought to spring media day, four of them were four-star recruits coming out of high school. Some very highly touted players. You mentioned Blake Barnett, but like you said, so often these quarterbacks don't pan out because it's the most difficult position to evaluate. And you brought up the name Gunnar Keel. I thought that was interesting because Les Miles had a great quote. He said (laughs) there was quarterback from Ohio who didn't have what it took between the ears to come lead the Tigers program. And so that's why he, he wanted to come him. to Baton Rouge, but we didn't give him that opportunity. Guy from Ohio. But now ASU's in a position where, where it really does have to evaluate what's between the ears of these quarterbacks. Who's going to elevate the other 10 players on the roster? And last season, Todd Graham said that Uh, Manny Wilkins was the player to do that, and he established himself early in fall camp. He wasn't named the starting quarterback until late, right before the season opener. But Wilkins still believes he's that guy, and now he's going to be challenged by Blake Barnett, who says his top quality as a quarterback is leadership. Well, look, ASU started out 4-0 last season. Wilkins gets hurt against uh, USC on on October 1st. Um, he, He had a tendency to to make himself susceptible to injuries by uh, exposing uh, when when scrambling. He's a slightly built guy. Uh, I think he knows that, that, that that's a limitation that he has. He talked to us about needing to do a better job of hitting the check down against Arizona. Even though ASU was blown out in that game, Wilkins was physically limited, and, and so it almost forced him to do that, Kerry. And, and um there's a new offensive coordinator now in the program, Billy Napier. He was at Alabama coaching wide receivers where Blake Barnett was for a cup of coffee about a month and a half or so, right? Um, but I don't think that there's anything that's promised to any of these guys. They're going to have to go out there and earn it. And we're going to be out there covering it on a daily basis, starting with the first practice on March 3rd. And regardless of who wins the quarterback competition for ASU, who's uh, under center next fall, They've got, they're going to have plenty of talented players to hand the ball off to at the running back position. Let's segue over to the two seniors who will really lead this group. And you had the chance to talk to assistant coach John Simon. We'll hear from him later on in this podcast. But Kalen Balaj, Demario Richard, both back for their fourth tour of duty with ASU. The two-headed monster and Billy Napier said the Sun Devils will need at least two very talented running backs with his offensive system. Yeah, it, it looks as though Napier is going to be a little bit more run heavy than um, his predecessor at ASU, Chip Lindsey, who was a little more apt or willing to throw the football. Uh, we could see some heavier personnel groupings. It's going to be Todd Graham's um, ethos is very, uh, we're going to be 11 personnel and we're going to have a tight end and a running back out there. We're going to run the football, set up the pass and all of that. And, um, when you have a new quarterback or you have a guy who isn't um, demonstrated to be among the top guys in in the Pac-12 with his peers, whoever that is, I mean, that's what that's the situation this year, right? Um, Manny Wilkins, if he becomes the starting quarterback, he, he, he's going to try to elevate himself into that group, but it hasn't happened yet. Why wouldn't you try to lean on your backfield of Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj, two seniors, uh, Demario Richard's been a thousand-yard rusher in the past. Kalen Balaj, certainly one of the better athletes at the position uh, in the league. ASU um, um, suffered from 
a young offensive line, I think, overall last year that wasn't able to really establish the run or execute in the way that they probably needed. That resulted in ASU finishing, I think, 11th in, in yards uh, per run um, last season, which which was a limiting factor, and, and that probably curtailed some of the play-calling opportunities and early downs. ASU needs to have better success on first and second down. Um, their their points-per-game production dropped to 33, which was a low that they had. Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard are complementary running backs. As I see it, Balaj is more of a pro-style runner. You want to get him the ball on the edge in space, usually when he has a head of steam uh, to, to be able to build up. And if he's able to get through that first line of defense, he, he's a guy who can take it to the house very easily. Demario Richard is a type of guy who's going to catch a body and drag a guy on the interior, like really more of a gap scheme uh, rusher. And um, both of those guys want the opportunity to play 30 uh, snaps, uh, 30 carries, 30 touches a game, if you will. Um, that's probably not going to happen, but I think that they understand the reality of the situation. Kalen Balash considered uh, leaving for the NFL. He told us that very candidly at the media, uh, mini media day. I don't think he would have gotten drafted anywhere around um, the range of what he would have liked to, to really um, take that step. Uh, and then, of course, Kerry, we shouldn't count out Nick Ralston, a yeah. guy who um, made really great strides last year. And I think for a third string running back, um, he's more than capable. Yeah, Billy Napier said he made a point of pointing out Nick Ralston and how impressed he's been with him so far in his limited interactions with ASU players. Billy Napier's been on campus for two weeks, but said that Nick Ralston is a solid third back. He's a guy who has been very dependable in the offseason program so far, and he's a coach's player. Every coach who seems to have dealt with Nick Ralston really likes him, really likes his attitude and what he can bring to the field. And he'll have an important role because ASU lost Jason Lewis, and so Nick Ralston will be that third guy. But then you also look at the two players that ASU are bringing in, and one of them is a mid-year enrollee already on campus, Eno Benjamin, and the other is Trelon Smith. Yeah, Eno Benjamin's um, enrolled in classes at ASU, but uh, in talking with John Simon, the running backs coach, um, this week, what we learned is that Benjamin probably won't be able to do much this uh, this spring. He's he's in a cast right now. He got he injured his his leg in the um, U.S. Army All American game in uh, the beginning of January. So uh, he's going to be limited and and probably may be able to do some individual type stuff by the end of the spring. The the for ASU though it, it's not that big of a deal when you have Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj and Nick Ralston, um, you know probably for your program it might even be best if you could afford to redshirt a guy like Eno Benjamin and, and running backs want to play a lot and everything right away and I think Benjamin as a guy who was the highest rated running back prospect that Graham signed in his um, six classes 2012 through 17. Um, um, he's a guy that probably has a really bright future, especially given how productive he was at the high school level, but it's, he's not needed right now. Looking at the running back group, it's veterans, it's experience for ASU. At wide receiver, it's all about potential and hype. When you look at Nikhil Harry, who had a freshman All-American season in his first season on campus, and then you look at two of the players the Sun Devils are bringing in who've drawn a lot of attention. Transfers who sat out the 2016 season, John Humphrey, who transferred from Oklahoma, and Ryan Newsom, who transferred from Texas. Both very speedy, agile players who the Sun Devils, and especially Todd Graham, are excited about. Well, look, Nikhil Harry is 
um, one of the best sophomore wide receivers that ACU's ever had. Uh, set a record for the number of catches that he had as a freshman last year. Uh, he exceeded our expectations very, very easily. Um, and that's with some instability at quarterback and challenges more broadly with the offense. Um, I think Nikhil Harry is going to have to demonstrate this year better separation, uh, even a, a higher degree of route running proficiency. But he's a star that's uh, in the making for sure. Um, I think Jalen Harvey had uh, some bursts there where there were some games where he showed that he's capable. We like his ability from a blocking standpoint. He's very um, uh, sound and and, and going to execute exactly what you need from him. Is he a, a, a game-breaking athlete? Probably not, but he makes contested catches. And I think he has a chance to start uh, this this season. Um, the guys that uh, everybody's, of course, really looking forward to seeing uh, are Ryan. Ryan Newsom and, and John Humphrey. Newsom is a slot receiver who's a little bit undersized, 5'8 or 5'9, but very elusive in space, and he also has a speed component to go with that. Uh, I think he's going to be heavily relied upon right away. Probably has to beat out Kyle Williams to become a starter. Kyle Williams, as a freshman, had uh, tremendous uh, uh, intrigue that he uh, generated with us, bounce between offense and defense, but he, he prefers to to play on offense. John Humphrey is the outside receiver who could threaten Jalen Harvey. I think that's a that's a going to be a, a, a burgeoning competition that we're going to be looking forward to watching in the spring. And then there's a few other guys. Yeah, don't forget Cam Smith, who was a starter, excelled as a as a down the field option as a sophomore at yes. ASU. Um, you know, he had his, the knee problem that forced him to miss a season. Then last year he wasn't all the way back. He was frustrated uh, with the performance of his knee, but he's. Uh, physically one of the best-looking specimens on the roster, extremely dedicated to training and eating right and and all those things. Um, If he's able to take a step back toward being 100%, then he puts himself in that position, especially as an over-the-top threat. Two guys who really haven't emerged onto ASU's radar just yet, or at least the radar of ASU's fans who are still at the wide receiver position, are uh, Terrell Chapman, the sophomore four-star recruit from Louisiana who hasn't quite broken onto the scene just yet. He'll be behind Nikhil Harry this year at the outside receiver position after Ellis Jefferson announced his decision to become a graduate transfer. And then Frank Darby, who was a redshirt freshman, or who was a true freshman last year, took his redshirt year. He'll be a redshirt freshman this season. And Nikhil Harry told me at Mini Media Day that he's excited to see what Frank Darby can produce for this ASU offense. A lot of people uh, liked Frank Darby uh, in practice last year. He was one of the better scout team guys. And uh, you bring up a good point because Alice Jefferson moving on from ASU uh, brings you to a uh, situation where you have a, a backup uh, competition between Darby and Terrell Chapman potentially setting up this spring at that X position behind Nikhil Harry. Um, and, and so um, you, you want to probably have about five receivers who are going to formulate sort of that key, that core group. Uh, we know almost for sure that Nikhil Harry is going to be there, obviously. And you have Ryan Humphrey, Newsom, and you have, I mean, Ryan Newsom. Yeah, Ryan Newsom, John, John Humphrey, Humphrey, Jalen Harvey, Jalen Cam Harvey, Smith, Kyle Cam, Williams. Right. And so in that, in at the fringe of that group, um, who's going to make it into that top four or five? That's the question going into this spring. ASU has its third different wide receivers coach in three years with Rob Likens taking over for Jay Norvell. The tight end position 
still unsettled with its position coach, yet the Sun Devils do have some talent at that spot. Cody Cole graduates after three years as the starting tight end, but J.J. Wilson appears poised to take over, and he's a jumbo athlete who gives the Sun Devils versatility at that position. I think that Wilson is really going to be benefited by the transition from Chip Lindsey to Billy Napier because Napier has um, been at places where the tight end has been very prominently involved and really important in, in what they're trying to do. He just came from O.J. Howard at Alabama. So exactly. he knows how to, he knows how a tight end can properly be used. By the way, O.J. Howard was the best tight end prospect I've ever seen in a high school football camp. So it's The best tight end I've ever seen live. Yeah, it's crazy. So... Uh, so yeah, JJ Wilson athletically is, is terrific. He's got to make sure that he he's got a narrow focus and is doing all the things off the field to get him in position to take advantage of um, the athletic gifts that he really has. And they have some big bodied guys that can be blockers. You look at Tommy Hudson, uh, Jared Buback. Those guys are physically have the size. Of course, Raymond Epps moved on. He probably would have been able to been have been used a little bit more. Um, but I, I do think we're going to see a, a reemergence. Interested to find out who's going to end up coaching this position. We had heard that it was going to be Sean Slocum potentially sh- shifting over to offense, but spoke with Slocum this week, and, and he said that that's probably not the case. And so it looks like they're going to divvy up this tight end position between graduate assistants. Of course, Josh Martin is a, a GA who coached tight ends in, in name, at least, um, that one year when Bo Graham departed abruptly, 2015. Um, so I think we're going to see some shared responsibilities with the tight end. And I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Um, that's something that they may need to reevaluate. And there's also the prospects of adding a 10th assistant coach, potentially with NCAA legislation, in January. And I think that would end up probably being the tight end uh, coach. Yeah, it's an interesting position group for ASU right now because with Napier coming on board, they're probably going to start transitioning to using more 12 personnel sets than they had under Mike Norvell and Chip Lindsey, but they still don't have that clear-cut second tight end. So that's a position group we'll monitor closely this spring. And then the final position group to talk about is the offensive line, a group that really struggled in 2016, gave up the most sacks in the Pac-12, led the 10th-ranked rushing offense in the country, in the conference, but... It's a group with a lot of talent. There's young guys at these positions. And, Chris, we've reported on this quite a bit, especially during the 2016 season. Historically, the best linemen in the Pac-12 have been the most veteran, most experienced linemen in the Pac-12. That's just – you can't underline that enough. That is the most important thing. You look historically – I would say 90% or more of the all-league players, first and second team, are juniors and seniors. Yeah, this this year was actually the first time since 2013 that a sophomore made the list, and that was Trey Adams at Washington. Correct. And so even though ASU started two seniors last year, Evan Goodman and Stephon McCray, I think Stephon McCray was at best a middling offensive lineman. Evan Goodman was probably not much better than that in the grand scheme. And we've talked a lot about what we believe to be a bigger, more athletic developing group overall and you have Quinn Bailey who started as a sophomore and was a very solid player Sam Jones before he got injured as a sophomore was a starter and a very solid player and then Zach Robertson was a part-time starter as a redshirt freshman Steve Miller is 
probably has as much potential as any of those guys as a redshirt freshman who got some little opportunities here and there as the year progressed. And Cole Cabral played last year as a true freshman and is a guy that we think maybe has the most potential of anyone in this group. So um, so they are, they are developing, and you're going to now have – Four or five of those guys who have starting level experience. Of course, you have AJ McCollum, who got a, a year to sort of get a little bit into better shape and, and make a transition. He has a chance to be a center this year, who can be at least um, comparable to what ASU got from Nick Kelly. So I, I do think that this is a building group, and even in 2018, they'll probably that's when they probably will be mature. But I but I think they're going to give you a better level of physicality for the Sun Devils this year in a way that helps the running attack buoyed by those two seniors uh, in, a, in a much better way than they than they were able to accomplish last season. Now, of course, all eyes this spring are going to be on the quarterback competition, but one thing that we will be following very closely, a competition that's arguably going to be just as important and certainly just as uncertain, is the left tackle battle. Yeah. Who's going to replace Evan Goodman? Because there's no clear-cut option right now. ASU has a handful of guys who would seem to fit that role. Maybe they swing Quinn Bailey over. Maybe they look at Zach Robinson. I personally really like Cole Cabral at that position, but it's tough to put that on a true sophomore to step in and be your starting left tackle from day one. So that's a battle that will be focused on all spring. Yeah, and they have a couple of JUCO guys that didn't play last year that could somehow factor in. The, the, they, with their, their issues from a recruiting standpoint that they didn't get resolved were acquiring guys who can be left tackles. And they're a roster that's comprised mostly of guards, to right tackles uh, and, and what they do to sort of remedy that is a challenge. I agree with you about Cole Cabral. That's something we've talked for a really long time to our audience on the premium side, our mm-hmm. members, about what we think about Cole Cabral. This is really the first time we've probably talked about that on the free side, but don't be surprised if Cole Cabral in the next coming weeks um, to gets a look as a left tackle and has a possibility. He's just too big, long, and athletic to probably be wasted as a center, which is where uh, he played uh, last year when he was, was uh, pushed into action to snap. Now, for the first time since 2012, ASU, well, 2013, I should say, ASU will have a new position coach. It's Rob Sale, who coached at Louisiana Monroe last year. He's taking over the offensive line for Chris Thompson. Billy Napier, we'll see what kind of schemes he prepares the Sun Devils offensive line for. But one of the noticeable changes from when ASU shifted from Mike Norvell to Chip Lindsey was ASU trying to become more athletic along the offensive line, trimmed down a little bit so that they could execute Lindsey's blocking schemes. Yeah, and now they may decide to go the other direction. <laughs> exactly. Because you look at Alabama and, and Clemson, those guys want heavier, big body guys um, because they are uh, a little bit uh, different in terms of how they want to run and attack with the football. So um, that's something else we're looking forward to seeing. Um, they do have some guys that, that fit the mold. Is Steve Miller, Quinn Bailey. These are these are big guys. Zach Robertson at one point was 350 pounds when he arrived at ASU. ASU just needs to get bigger, longer, and more physical, be able to wear on you, have that uh, impact the game more in the third and fourth quarter. And, of course, really importantly, Kerry, uh, you have to have leads 
to be able to run the ball effectively uh, as you go throughout a game. If you're playing from behind, that uh, makes you pass the ball more, limits your ability to wear on opponents. So that's something that ASU is going to have to try to accomplish in 2017. Spring practices start March 3rd. That is our Sun Devils offensive position primer for the spring. We'll have our defensive position primer next week. And what we're going to do right now is close out the show with a little audio from Chris's interview with ASU running backs coach John Simon about his position group and about the offense moving forward. So that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening this week and hope you enjoyed the interview with ASU's John Simon. You had the 2,000 yard rushing rushers at Southern Miss, right, which has not been done in a really long time. And of course, Demario Kalen, you played play the position at a high level. Everybody wants to heat up and get the 30-plus carries and whatever. The game has kind of changed. It's not really as much of that anymore. But um, how do you, in, in keeping those guys both um, where you want them to be emotionally as far as the opportunities and touches and all that, how, how does that work as a coach? I think that comes with success. You know, as we're having success as an offensive unit, those guys obviously have more opportunities to run the football. You know, so as, as we are playing ahead, mm-hmm. you know, if we're leading the game, then we want to control the clock, we want to run the football more. If you find yourself behind or in behind situations, then you tend to want to throw the ball a little bit more. So I think, you know, to have those two 1,000-yard rushes or to have 2,000-yard rushing, period, yeah. you have to be in a situation to where your team is playing pretty good on offense and defense. And uh, you're allowing your team to... They'll run the ball, and I think if we run the ball, those guys that have opportunity to both have success. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're very talented, both of them. And um, it's just going to be based on what we do as an offensive unit and what we do as a team is going to determine how successful they, they are. Right. And, and obviously, you started out <clears throat> well last season. Second half didn't go as well as you'd hoped. Um, the yards per carry was down from, you know, historically with, with, what's – been the case at ASU. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that, how frustrating was that for your guys as a group? And you only control what you control, obviously, as a part of that. Well, no, it's definitely frustrating, but it's only frustrating for a day after the game. Then after that, whether the game is good or bad, you have to find a way to put it behind you, and that's what the great ones do. You know, you put the game behind you, and you focus on next week, and you focus on the next challenge. And you go into the next game hopeful that it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the next week, whether it's good or bad, you wake up and you prepare for the following week and hope that you're going to have an opportunity to either uh, to play better as a, as a unit or have a better performance than what you had last week. Whether it's a really good performance or a bad performance, you're always just trying to, to be at your best every week. And I think that's what our guys, the standard that we understand in our room, that's our mindset. Yeah, you mentioned the 2014 to 2015 Southern Miss. Do you see a similar climate here? I know that when you look at Steve Miller, Quint Bailey, Zach Robertson. No, I know I do, and that's why I brought that Sam factor Jones, up. Yeah. If you look at 2014, is the same group. Yeah. If you look at our unit here, you'll see that they were a younger group last year, but that entire group is coming back. So the continuity in front of those guys working together mm-hmm. and getting a feel for each other watching the film, seeing what they need to improve, seeing what we need to improve in the backfield, what are some things we could have done different and being held to a higher standard. I think um, you can definitely see 
um, the signs of what we had in Southern Miss that allowed us to be successful running the football mm -hmm. that it could possibly happen here. Your conversations with Demario and Kalen as they go into their last year about you know, how, hey, how do you guys put yourself in the best position to have the opportunity beyond that? What what is that like? It's real simple. Take advantage of every opportunity that you have. Stay focused on your play, your performance, your energy, your effort, and your body language. But at the end of the day, don't focus on missed opportunities or opportunities of the other guy. You have to stay focused on what you do with the opportunities that you're given. Yeah. How hard is that for young young players or young backs? It, it, it is, but you know, you, you say that we mentioned the group that I had at Southern Miss because those two kids had to do it, and mm -hmm. then one of the kids, you know, he ended up starting for the Raiders this year. Okay. So as an undrafted free agent, and there was times where he didn't get as many carries as the other guy. Just depends on which direction the game is going, but you can't harp on that because you never know when your opportunity is going to come. If your attitude is right or if you're not focused, you can miss out on an opportunity for you to do something special. So, you know, it's, it's, not, an, uh, it's not easy, but if, we're, if you're talking about being a professional, if you're talking about playing on Sundays in the NFL, then some of the things, the decisions that you're going to have to make here mentally to prepare yourself is going to be tested on this level and to prove that you are that type of player that's part of the process. Yeah. What do you think about where those guys are at from a leadership standpoint as they go into their last year? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, this is going to be different for them. This is a different seat that they've never had to sit, sit in. You only get one year to be a senior. Yeah. You know, and it's a group that came in and they played as youngsters. So they didn't necessarily have that leadership over them to watch and see what it means to be a leader, a senior. They've always kind of been a leader in that room, by example, by their play. And um, so it's going to be different to see how they evolve into a vocal leader as it relates to being a senior in that room. Is that um, even more of a challenge just given that you have, I mean, you're the only offensive coach who's still on the staff, just given the, is that more important or is it, is it, is it more challenging given some of the turnover and changes that are that are taking place. No, uh, I mean ch turnover and change, and, and a lot of people harp on that and the turnover and changes. But if I'm not mistaken, Alabama had a lot of turnover. Correct. You know they've lost two office coordinators, and I don't think anybody's going to go in there feeling for for themselves. I don't think the rankings or the preseason rankings going to change based on the coaches. Uh, this is a professional business that we work in, and we do. A coach has done a great job of hiring professionals, qualified guys. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys that are qualified to wear hats in this country that do a good job of coaching kids. So at the end of the day, the kids have to stay focused on what they need to do to be successful. And if they do that, we will be successful as a team. Um, we have great guys on the staff, just as we did in the past, that are going to come to work, put the time in, and be professional, be diligent in doing their job. Our kids just have to stay focused on the guys that are wearing the helmets and making sure they're holding the guys accountable with the helmets to doing their job. And if they do that, we'll all be fine. Okay. Uh, um, Nick Ralston, uh, I thought he did well with his opportunities. Yes. Uh, he lost a lot of weight from the first year to second year. Uh, he obviously was a workhorse back in Texas, and they weren't sure what they were going to do with him position-wise. But is he poised to really... You know, emerge. I mean, if not this year because of the two guys above him, but you know, as his career unfolds. Well, I, I'm excited about Nick. You know, for a kid 
could be as productive as he's been and he's a kid that continues to grow. And, and I think it was good that he had a chance to sit a little bit coming from a Texas mm -hmm. style of ball, being able to risk for a year, having two guys in front of him. But you'll see the kid just gets better and better. It's important to him. He's smart. He's intelligent. And he has a skill set. He's physical. So I think the future is definitely bright with the guys that we have in that room. You know, I don't think it's a room where we look at and say, we have a need and we need to address right away. Mm -hmm. And I feel comfortable saying that for years to come. But that's going to be a solid room. That's going to be exciting for uh, Sun Devil fans to watch. Is there anybody that uh, you've coached or been around that Nick reminds you of? Um, uh, <clears throat> Nick reminds me a little bit of the kid that plays for the Raiders right now. Okay. Um, Who was your Southern Miss? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because he's very smart. You know, he's very coachable and it's important to him and he soaks all the information up like a sponge. Okay. So uh, Nick definitely reminds me of him. That kid's probably a little bit better running routes, but but that kid was a senior. Nick's a freshman, and sure. I have three more years to develop him, and he's doing a good job of, of, of understanding it. And I think it's going to be exciting to watch him this spring, yeah. you know, coming to his own a little bit. We know what those older guys can do. We don't have to see them as much as we evaluate the next group of guys. But I think you're going to be able to see it in the spring that Nick is a uh, is a back that could be starting in a lot of Division One schools right now. Mm -hmm. Just so having he has two NFL players in front of him. But uh, I think Nick is going to surprise a lot of guys, a lot of people this spring as well. As soon as he gets his opportunity, he'll be ready to go. What about uh, Kalen and Mario? I, I, I see Kalen as like a DeMarco Murray type of a running back. Is that, or, or maybe, um, i trying to think of who else is kind of like that. Um, who's the guy in the Raiders for a while? Uh, that was another Oklahoma guy you're talking about, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about the kid from OU as well. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, but um, is that is that what you think that he's like style-wise, or is there somebody that you envision? I, I think Kalen. The sky's the limit for Kalen. There's not much that he can't do. Yeah. Um, I just think as he continues to study the game and study the block and Darren understand the yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. You're right. It was Arkansas, and I played. I played against him. Yeah. Actually. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Um, as but, he continues to play. Yeah, McFadden. You're right. He's he's closer to a McFadden type guy. Size, physical, can block. You know, McFadden was pretty fast too. Yeah, and Kane's, fast. and Kane's a very fast guy as well. Yeah, an explosive guy. So, um, you know, right now he would probably be closer to the comparison of the, the running back with the Cowboys right now. Okay. Um, skill set, mm -hmm. talent wise, you know, size wise, he's going to be closer to that kid. Is he coming? Is he? Yes, and having the opportunity to get in, in the open field with that line the way that the Cowboys block it. Oh, they're, they're. I mean, I think the kid or whatever's you know three yards before he's even touched sometimes. Yeah, they're all so line incredible. Game, yeah, without a question. So you know, Kalen in the right system, featured that way, I think he can really excel. What about Demario? I mean, he's. Now I see Demario as as more of you. Your, your old school um, Pittsburgh Steelers type running back, you know, clown, a cloud of dust, 
you know, grind and pound type guy. Um, Carry guys a few yards. Yeah, yeah, inside the tackle guy, power, gap scheme type guy, a physical bruising runner, you mm -hmm. know, that that old Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins yeah. type football, you know, the old day. Yeah, the Redskins. Yeah, double, Hawk, double tight, you know, bunch formation, just downhill ball. Mm -hmm. He's that type of guy. He has good feet in, in space. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, he, and he's powerful through contact. So, uh, but he's, uh, I, I would compare him closer to a, almost a Marshawn type physical okay. Not the exact same skill set as Marshawn. Got it. But the physical part of trying to punish a defender when yeah. he has the ball. Yeah. It's like a linebacker running with the football. People bounce off the him. Yeah. And, and so Trey Turner, two-sport guy, redshirted last year. Uh, we didn't get a chance to see that much of him. A uh, different, different type of a, of a back. What do you think about his process? Well, we're going to get a lot of questions answered with Trey. This is a very important spring for right. Trey going into your second year because in your second year at the running back position, that's when people make decisions on who you are and what you are. Um, it's very important that he comes out and have a really good spring and show that he can be an explosive guy. Um, that's what we're going to need out of Trey Turner. Trey Turner was signed as a running back. That's supposed to be a blazer. That's a 4-3 guy, low 4-4 guy. That's what we're going to be looking for. We're going to find ways to get Trey out in space this spring and see if he can uh, if he can challenge the defense with his speed and see if he can bring us back some big plays. So yeah. uh, it's going to be very important that we see some big runs out of Trey this spring. Yeah, and uh, Eno's already here enrolled in classes and everything. and probably the highest rated back that you guys have signed um, of Todd Graham's tenure at ASU. Um, very productive at, the, at a high level in Texas. So what, what do you, I mean, high hopes for him, obviously. What do you guys, yeah, what do you well, think? without a question, I think Eno is the um, one of the one rare guys that we have that we feel like is an every down back mm -hmm. that has the ability to run inside, is strong, to break, break tackles. But then he has the speed to get outside and outrun guys and the long speed to hold guys off um, the go 70 yards. So um, we're definitely excited about that kid being here in our program. And obviously with the injury that he had, I feel that it's working in his favor and allowing his body. Because Texas football is hard on your body. Yeah. You know, so it's giving him this time to, to rest and recover and then have an opportunity to showcase, you know, himself uh, in the summer and in the fall. Will he be able to do anything in the spring, or? I, I think he will. He'll have his cast off in a couple of weeks, and he'll be very limited in the spring. I right. don't think we will see anything that's going to allow him to get out there with the team and go full go. Yeah. I think towards the end we may be able to see him in some individual stuff, but I don't think he's going to be able to, to go through any team settings. But I mean, obviously, you feel like you can bring him along really slowly. With that, with his injury. I mean. Yeah, without a question, without because there's no need to rush a kid, you know, coming off an injury like that. Or again, when you have three, four guys that are ready to go right away. Yeah. You know, we can go ahead and make sure we take care of that kid and let him heal completely before we introduce him to this level of football. Yeah. The tree line, um, guy who plays behind a really good offensive line at the high school level, but uh, very quick. Yeah. And makes yeah. guys miss in space and. Is a home run for yeah, right? so he, he's a Trey Turner 
type guy. Him and Trey are both on those lines of, mm -hmm. hey, which one of you guys are going to be able to provide a spark for us, mm -hmm. provide a big play to make a guy miss, a screen guy, a route, one-on-one, -on -one, a linebacker that you can win and outrun some guys and make some special yeah. plays. So, good ball skills, right? Yeah, for... very good ball skills. So that, that's, that's their opportunity, Trey Turner and Trey Lund, is to come in and be able to provide a sport for us and, yeah. and run around on some special teams. So yeah. we're definitely excited. I mean, this is a 11 personnel offense, right? But do you think that just given the strength of your unit, um, we may see more opportunities for you guys to go 20 or 21? I mean, it's a possibility. It's early. It's real early to yeah. say what we're going to do and what's the strength of our unit yeah. until, we get out, even yeah, until we get out there into the spring and have an opportunity to evaluate the receivers, evaluate the tight end position, yeah. and, and, and make a decision of what's best for us as a unit going forward. And how excited are you for just turning the page? You got one year in the books, coaching at this level, now the assistant head coach, which mm -hmm. is a really cool distinction for you. So just what's your what's your mood kind of going into the spring and beyond? Uh, I'm excited about it, you know, not only for myself, but to be here, this city, this conference, this league, this great university, the program, the vision under Coach Graham, um, he sets the, the, the right attitude, the right mindset for our kids. He's the right leader for kids, period. Um, and he holds the coaches accountable to providing the proper leadership for the guys on the team in the building and outside of the building. He's the type of guy that you would want, the parents would want their kids to play for. So. Um, with, with all of those things said, that's where my excitement comes to be back going forward, to face the challenges of how close we were with one of the greatest starts of Arizona in Arizona State history, you know, to the season. Now to come back and see if we can build on that, but then carry the torch throughout the end. Yeah, um, you were a high school athletic director, right? I was. I was. So, just you have a sense for the administrative component to that. I mean, do you feel like the culture? Um, what do you think about the culture right now, no, in I, that respect? I, I think the culture is really good, um, and it, and it's tough because Graham, when, when you lose guys and you have to continue to bring guys in, right? But again, but he does a great job of setting the mandate of what the vision of the program is, regardless of the guys that come in, and he does a great job of not hiring guys and trying to teach them the vision, but hire guys that already believe in the vision, mm -hmm. that believes in the same thing that he believes in. And then you do that, it makes it easy. So I think the culture is good. I think around here, everybody feels it, you know, with the guys on the staff. When you meet them, you see the smiles and you see the focus and you see the commitment, you see the drive and you see the experience and the resume. So uh, I'm excited about the culture. I think we're in a great place and I think the staff is excited about it as well. Last question, um, three things that you want to get accomplished um, this spring, what are they? These are the things that by the end of the spring, I want to know this, this, and this. Well, the first thing is that you want to get out of spring healthy. Mm -hmm. um, we want to improve on, on running the football up front. Mm -hmm. I, I would say it's, well, it's the execution of it. The, the, the execution of plays and yards after contact and being more physical. Mm -hmm. um, being more detailed, understand when there's the time to be physical, when there's the time to be special and bounce it and make big plays. Um, and the third thing would definitely be our uh, our physical play in the, in, in the, in the pass protection, mm -hmm. in the pass game of right. blocking. 
So I think those are, that's one of the things that we're definitely going to put emphasis on, um, running the football, and we're going to do a lot of one-on-one blocking with the linebackers, something that we didn't do in the past. Okay, so, thanks. All right, it's a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir.